0: Hello everyone and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datta, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour.
1: You weren't there, the next moment I could hear you whispering in my ear.
0: You've left the oven on
1: No I haven't I've just checked
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that is living with OCD (laughs) Check five times One Two Then the light switch One Two Three Four Five (laughs) University got me over my OCD Were you OCD when you went to university? I was when I started yeah What sort of things would you do? Oh taps Check taps Check lights It used to take me about half an hour to leave the house And I once walked two miles And then walked two miles back home To recheck everything Make sure that I turned it all off properly And uh, do you know what Tom? There's nothing that will get you over that quite so quickly As just knowing that someone's left the oven on (laughs) Because you live with morons So it really doesn't matter Because it's not your fault if the house burns down Have you turned the lights off? Doesn't matter, they'll be on when you get home And no one will be in
1: (laughs) It's quite a shock isn't it? When you go to university and you realise quite how odd Other people
0: are myself included yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's true actually now you mention it because yes. you, you were the Have one on checking these everything.
0: non-ocd people are 20 yeah. times
1: but yeah i remember thinking a lot of people had very strange behaviors
0: yes what were your strange behaviors what were your foibles well he you're, says like you're he doesn't prob- remember exactly what they are i was about to say you're probably in a better position to say this is a, t- a, t- a test of your self-awareness
1: <laughs> yeah. Because Sam currently has a list of ten things.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's written it out three times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um We put the foibles in the basket. <laughs>
1: I, what, what, what did I do that was strange? Um, I, well, when I first met my wife, she noticed but didn't say until many years later...
0: <laughs> that my Must be love.
1: <laughs> yeah, that my pillowcase was always covered in dribble stains. <laughs> yes. Quote, dribble. <laughs> <laughs> it was dribble. And um, yeah, probably because I only used to wash my sheets once a turn,
0: if yep. that. Um, saves, <laughs> saves on washing powder. Exactly. How are you today, though, Tom? How is the Tom of today? Oh, Cracking
1: open a chilli brewski. I am. I'm a little bit, I feel like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've got a little tinny here Ooh. with
0: beer. Lovely. <laughs> mm.
1: That's very nice. Oh, I'm fine, thank you, Sam. Uh, I have nothing to report of any note from the previous Good.
0: week. Is your child better?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we had to delay and this your recording. Child, your boy, didn't we? Of, <laughs> boy, uh, boy, two. Uh, one of my yeah, one of my children just had a bit of an ear infection, so um, oh. that's why we had to delay, didn't we? We had to delay recording because so I was I was unable to prepare in the few Bless days his,
0: beforehand. Hussy little face.
1: <laughs> Blesses. Stinky, dirty ear holes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, he's fine. And bless yours, audience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As we come right into your ear hole. This is a lovely beer. What what beer is it, Tom? It's the 1079
0: Project. The 1079 Project? Yeah, a little pilsner. What happened in 1079 that was notable? Uh, The Normans... uh, Celebrated a decade of getting their foot in the table. <laughs> yeah, Redec- redecorated Winchester <laughs> Cathedral. Thirteenth um.
1: year in charge. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, built a few Mott and Bailey castles. Someone I know met someone called a Norman Castle. Did did they? Genuinely, this is. An, I'm not setting up a joke. They genuinely met someone whose name was Norman Castle when they cracked the joke, which is the same joke I would have cracked, which is, "Do you have children?" Called Mott and Bailey.
0: Ah. Yeah boom solid historical joke whoever that was mystery person <laughs> yeah. now that you've redone it to take their name out can i leave the joke in you can leave the joke in absolutely and the name yeah you can leave their name because <laughs> it in. doesn't work without it yeah
1: but there's no context that's okay so no. nobody's okay. gonna get in trouble
0: good <laughs> excellent Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom, who's uh, absolutely in no way related to or friends with anyone who once met someone with a name that sounded a little bit like an architectural feature, and Sam over here, uh, whose best friend is Fanny Bucket, discuss history (laughs) stories... Not a not a not a medieval name. Discuss history stories on a theme each week. The theme is decided the week in advance, but everything else that happens is an absolute surprise. Ooh, it's a mystery. What's gonna happen? Who knows? Oh, Bad you turned was... into Yogi Bear. Yeah, I did boo What's our topic this week, Tom? Oh, you've turned into a New Zealander, bro. <laughs> um,
1: slippery situations.
0: Slippery accents. Yeah, yes. Slippery as. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Slippery situations.
1: Um, a, a tricky one this week, I'll put it out there. A, a slippery one, a slippery, almost. A slippery, yeah.
0: I actually, I didn't struggle too hard, but then I haven't rigidly stuck to the theme. I've just done a man whose life was generally one slippery situation after another.
1: Yeah, I had we tried to stick to the topic closely, I think we would have really struggled. I mean, I...
0: I didn't even try, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> never, went down, never went down that avenue, Tom. I went in all
1: sorts of directions. I, history of Bubble Bath history of jelly, history of jelly you, wrestling. What's the history of bubble
0: bath? It's, it's not like, very fuck, interesting, fuck jelly exactly. wrestling. <laughs> it's really boring.
1: History of mud wrestling, history Ooh. of greased pig chasing. Oh. History of goose pulling. Have you ever heard of that?
0: <laughs> heard of it, Tom. I was once kicked out of a Starbucks <laughs> for it. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it's,
1: it's where a live goose is strapped to a line between two high poles
0: and the goose's neck is greased, (laughs) and competitors run underneath it on a horse. How much do these two Slavic people have to smoke before the goose is tied to them? (laughs) It's...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, The goose is... Is is Poland Slavic? Hmm.
0: No, Eastern Europeans are more accurate uh, representation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We all got the joke anyway. Um, The goose's neck is greased, and competitors ride underneath it on a horse and try to grab its neck and rip off its head... Ooh. The winner is the person who manages to grip it and rip off its head while it's still alive.
0: Oh, it's a Christmas! It's a Christmas classic.
1: Oh no! It's, and it's unsurprisingly, it's one of those uh, games that used to take place in weird Dutch festivals while everyone was black faced. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, really not very funny. Very cruel. I came across I came across it a few weeks ago, and um, when I re researched it, I just thought, no, I can't do that. That's just it's just horrible Um, fair enough yeah I I know I also looked for people who died slipping over
0: I did that as well and then decided it wasn't inherently funny (laughs) no but I did find a really
1: good individual oh he was old and cracked his hip hey (laughs) that's funny let's focus on his death for 30 minutes so it wasn't related enough closely to the topic but I did come across a really good person that I will try and slip in in the future
0: I bet you will you saucy bastards yeah Whoof excellent. Yes, I Googled frankly, the history of eels and any funny stories relating oh, to eels. I, I Googled Misfortune. I researched I Googled I researched <laughs> Researched Misfortune and people who have had <laughs> terrible luck. <laughs> terrible luck. Brilliant. And and I found a really good one. Oh, that's I found a be very good fun. one. I found someone who the world really did conspire against. Oh, cathartic as well. Through most of his life. Brilliant. It's always,
1: isn't it fun? It's always fun laughing at other people's misfortune.
0: It is, isn't it? It makes you
1: feel much better. So this is, that's good, Sam. And we're all going to end this episode feeling much better about our lives.
0: Well, no, not necessarily. He was a hugely successful. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Despite the misfortune thrown at him. But we'll find out more about that in a second, because it's my turn to go first this week. But before we do, do we have any audience
1: feedback? Oh, we do. We've got Aaron, who's our new order with the bathroom stone friend.
0: Yes, hello, Aaron. He came
1: up with some good suggestions whilst he was hot boxing in one of the lockers. Excellent. <laughs> These have been noted down. Thank you,
0: very much. Yes, the steam room had a
1: unique odor afterwards. Yeah, it's toast roasted almonds, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Oliver from Australia, Howdy. Um, well, he said uh, hello and gave us some suggestions. His message started with "Hello, my fucking funny pommy twat and sheep shagger." <laughs> And I think I'm both on account of my dual citizenship. And I think you're the former, oh. Sam. I think you're the pommy twat. Okay. Nice. Um, we, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> he, we, we he could have uh, been a bit more specific because you have
0: some German and Indian heritage, but I do. But we won't. Um, uh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't put it past an Australian to make a joke about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wouldn't put it past an Australian to kick you off a bus for it, Sam. I know. Um, <laughs> <No. laughs> I've got some Danish heritage. Do you? So you could have had a go at me about that. He could have called me a bacon-eating horny helmet. you could have done. I th- yes, thank you, Oliver. Oliver loves the show. And, and thanks for your message. That was very kind of you. Um, and he also suggested Ancient Gods, which is a nice broad one that we could easily run with. So yes. that's on the list.
0: Excellent. Good. Thank you, Oliver.
1: And then we had a few other conversations too, but um, I think I've summarised most of it.
0: Cool. Hello to anyone Tom couldn't be bothered to mention. We value <laughs> We value your feedback. <laughs>
1: It was just slightly boring conversations about things like Podbean screwing us over.
0: It wasn't. It wasn't a dull conversation. It was a very important and wonderful and, and, and laudable conversation. Thank you for letting us know that you've been struggling on with Podbean. We will have words.
1: Oh no, that was very. It was very important. But you know, it's not great for listeners.
0: It's not great for listeners. We're going to send the boys uh, round anyway, aren't we, Sam? we are and by the boys we mean the village people (laughs) anyway there's there's two-way feedback for you right stop bitching we're 16 minutes into recording we haven't said a word of history yet Well Tom, today I've got the amazing story of a man who constantly found himself in slippery situations. I, in a roundabout way, which doesn't really relate to the topic, smashed the topic. Um, In fact, it seemed pretty clear the world had it in for him. But as a result, he's a total badass because he saw his way through all of it and came out the other side a bit of a success. So we can all learn something from him about resilience. This is the kind of guy who would do a TEDx talk. (laughs) Like a TED talk, but with no qualifications required. Uh, I'm talking, you know, he would run a motivational business podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Belgian inventor and musical instrument maker Adolf Sax, who, what among did he designing, uh, well, I tell you what, I tell you what he invented. He dis- invented a huge cannon which could launch 500 ton bombs. He invented a huge organ that could be heard for over 10 miles. But of course, Tom, he is best known for inventing one of the world's most popular jazz instruments. That's right, Tom, Adolf Sax invented the Hitlerphone. (laughs) As used to play the solo in Whitney Houston's Bring Me a Heil Love, and of course in the Spice Girls' famous hit, Zig Zig Heil. (laughs) (laughs) No No, Tom No Obviously he invented The saxophone Of course he did Of course he (laughs) did He spent his childhood In more than a few Slippery situations Nearly dying On multiple occasions So Sax was born In 1814 In a town called Dinant Which was then In the Netherlands But later And today is in Belgium his father was a famous Belgian instrument maker who provided military-grade flutes. <laughs> uh, presumably that means... That military-grade flutes is a quote, by the way, from a uh, primary source. Uh, presumably that meant that they were bulletproof with night vision goggles and flute lasers. <laughs> the young Sax followed in his footsteps, showing off from the age of five or six a prodigious talent as an instrument maker. By the age of 14, he was supposedly a better flute and clarinet maker than his dad, who was already the best in Belgium or the Netherlands. Not so much. No, no. (laughs) There's only three. He even managed around this time to make a working flute and a working clarinet from ivory, which was a task previously thought impossible. Especially Uh, as uh, they
1: hadn't been removed from the elephant. Yes.
0: (laughs) Made it very difficult and yet musical for the elephant to breathe. (laughs) As the elephant charged, he's creating an odd whistling noise. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> On a windy like day. Miles Davis
0: wrote...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly the elephant packed her trunk and said hello to the jazz band. <laughs> <laughs> Off she went with a... <laughs> <laughs> here's the odd thing though tom old specky Sachs was so ensconced in looking at instruments and thinking about instruments and fucking uh, no sorry not fucking instruments um that he had no time for the pitfalls and trifles of life like looking where he was going not drinking poison or checking that what he was putting in his mouth and swallowing was in fact food and so we come to the first phase of adolf Sachs's slippery life tom the situations in which he cheated death at the age of three, he spent a week in a coma and a month bedridden, unable to move or feel his legs after falling down three flights of stairs onto a stone floor. <laughs> after which funny. he
1: invented the drum kit. Uh, yeah,
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, he happened to be carrying two cymbals, two large copper plates at the time. <laughs> uh, so a year later, he swallowed a large sewing needle which could easily have perforated his gut but managed to shit it out pointy end first without any ill effects. And that's how he invented the flute.
1: <laughs> after a particularly bad, after a particularly bad period of flatulence, he invented the flute,
0: yes. the bassoon, <laughs> the French horn,
1: <laughs> the bum Not to be, con-
0: <laughs> hey, nice. <laughs> uh, the French horn, of course, not to be confused with the Italian horn, which is wrinkly and orange and called Silvio. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm t- talking of leaders, well, the obvious one was a trumpet, wasn't it? That was the obvious joke.
0: That was the obvious joke, but but I... Missed it. Didn't want to go there. Didn't want to give him the airtime. So, shortly after swallowing and shitting out a knitting needle, he drank a mixture of white lead, copper oxide and arsenic, thinking that it was milk. Um, I don't know what that particular mixture would have been useful for, Tom. I'm I'm not a chemist, but I do know that it's just a shot of vodka and a bit of tomato juice, away from making the cocktail I like to call the Ra Ra Rasputin. (laughs) Uh, He also, shortly after that Drunk sulfuric acid, as you do He was not a bright child (laughs) Adventurous, I think A curious child, I would say He was intelligent, but not wise Yes, yes Again, I think about the age of five or six He fell face first into a stove Burning half of his body Uh, Somehow he didn't get an infection and die Although he was scarred for life at the age of 10, he went completely the other way and fell into a river, being fished out unconscious several miles downstream and over an hour later after washing up in a watermill, And he was absolutely fine.
1: Washing up in a watermill. <laughs> what, was it just going around? And
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just around and around the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Splash. Snoring. <laughs> Splash. <laughs> Duck sitting on his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Marvellous. The thing is, you're
1: describing this child... And I'm fairly yes. sure I went to school with him. There was a boy in my school that, was, that did all of the above.
0: Um, Unusual for a parent to name their child Adolf. This <laughs> Adolf Sachs, this oh, day yeah. and age. But <laughs> you know what I like? I like
1: Nazism and brass, brass uh, instruments, uh, Nazis and jazz. <laughs>
0: That's what I like.
1: Didn't we have an episode on Nazi jazz?
0: Uh we ha- it has been mentioned in this podcast before. Yeah. Yes, the Nazis love jazz. Yeah, They're big fans. That and nudity. Yes, a few hobbies. Yeah, they, have, they, they, they use their free time. <laughs> Don't want to say productively, that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> they use their free time, yes. <laughs> so uh, shortly after uh, being fished out of the stream unconscious, uh, he was blown up by an exploding keg of gunpowder in his dad's workshop. Uh, again, why it was there, why why all of these barrels and <laughs> vats of incredibly poisonous and dangerous things were lying around his dad's flute-making workshop, let's point out, I don't know. Uh, presumably, by this stage, it was just some kind of Looney Tunes episode. That's what I was Looney thinking, or like the
1: Pink Panther or something, it sounds like... Yeah,
0: it's just Acme, all of this Acme stuff had been <laughs> yeah. delivered to his dad's workshop.
1: Was his dad trying to kill him, just very unsuccessfully?
0: Was his dad a coyote by... <laughs> I can only assume that the gunpowder was there to test the durability of the military-grade flutes. <laughs> Who fucking <laughs> yeah. knows? Um, and they're not really his fault, this one, but a few months later, after that, a roof tile fell off a nearby building and put him in a second coma. Oh, good goof, good grief. I know. Good goof. Good goof. Good, good. <laughs> good, good goof. <laughs> How they say it in Holland, you see? <laughs> yes. Okay. So Saxe's mother, Maria openly claimed that her son was cursed and would never make it into adulthood. And his neighbours joked that he was, quote, the ghost child from Dinant due to his propensity for dying all the time. (laughs) But he did survive, becoming such a prodigious and skilled workman that in 1840 he entered his wares into the Belgian Exhibition, aged just 26 years old. Imagine them, Tom. These beautiful instruments lined up next to the other creme de la creme of Belgian exports, such as mussels with fries, cheap beer... Tintin, and a number of routes into France if you happen to have a German accent. The judges refused him a gold medal on the basis that if he won this, and this was their written reasoning why they denied him a gold medal at the Belgian exhibition, if he won this most prestigious prize at such a young age, he would have nothing else to strive for in life. Yeah, that sounds legit. So they didn't give it to him. That sounds a little bit like... Um, the patronising wankers. Was I,
1: I was researching something for this a previous episode of this podcast. It may have been the 1988 episode. And I came across some strikes in France that occurred in 1987, for anyone who listened to the last episode. (laughs) And um, the strikes by these French farmers were because the farmers were objecting to new systems that were being in place that had promotions based on merit rather than the (laughs) seniority. Yeah. (laughs) They were complaining about that.
0: (laughs) That sounds about right. That sounds a little bit like my day job. (laughs) I mean that must that must sting a little bit. <laughs> yes, we like it, but we're not going to give you a prize because you're young. And uh, his response to this was that uh, if they if they think I'm too young to accept the gold, then I'm definitely too old to take silver. Uh and so he's rightly, he, you know, rightly sorry. Blah, 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 blah. So rightly peeved at the snub. <clears throat> Let's start that again. Rightly peeved at the snub. Sachs <coughs> fucked. <didn't> <laughs> the rain in Spain falls mostly on the plain. Trees tremble tremendously. Teetering in tight trousers. Yeah, gesticulated with uh, my genitalia. <laughs> <Yes>. Get gone, <laughs> Gareth. Terence tickled my testicles. <laughs> While well, Doobie twatted my dodger. <laughs>
1: I think I'm ready now. Tant- I think I'm ready. Othello this week, isn't it? <laughs> Othello, yes,
0: yes. <laughs> yes. So like, rightly peeved. <laughs> God, it's breaking my spirits. Rightly peeved at the snub, Sachs fucked off to Paris with just 30 francs in his pocket, apparently. Uh, Among them, Tom Frank Sinatra, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and Lieutenant Frank Drebin, police squad.
1: (laughs) You knew you had to get in there quick, didn't you? You knew I was going to be looking
0: for it. Like a blind man in an orgy, I was going to have to feel my way out of there. (laughs) Like a midget in a urinal, I was going to have to stay on my toes. The truth hurts, Tom. Oh, sure, maybe not as much as jumping on a bicycle with a seat missing, but it hurts. Those films are still outrageously good. They have not aged a day. The Naked Gun films are Out- genuinely... Outstanding. They make me cry with laughter still to this day every time. That and Hot Shots. Hot Shots is excellent. Even Hot Shots Part Deux, Hot Shots Deux, is not terrible. <laughs> no, it's good. Airplane, still an amazing film. Airplane 2, no. I don't think I've ever watched Airplane 2. Don't just don't. They've dated dated
1: very, very well. Naked Gun films, bloody funny.
0: They have. They really have. Yeah. Apart from the fact that they have um, (laughs) Uh, a murderer, (laughs) a a murderer playing a detective. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sorry, not a murderer. Possibly a really murder. convicted murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> o-, o. J. Simpson is in them. If you've not seen them, God, I love. I was so sad when Leslie Nielsen died. He was it was, genuinely you know, was, one of my all-time it was comic up heroes. There in
1: terms of sad, an equally sad moment was when the guy who played Father Ted died. Those yes. two were great losses.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I like the scene in one of the Hot Shots films, it's a sex scene, where they keep cutting between Leslie Nielsen's face and a tanned, oiled-up bodybuilder. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. There's there's no gag too silly to be left out of those films, and I love them for it. So, (laughs) yeah, so he had 30 francs in his pocket. In Paris, he quickly set about making himself very, very, very unpopular by being very, very good at what he did. And so he comes <laughs> to the second goes back phase. back to what we
1: <laughs> said about this French strike. <laughs> what?
0: <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare you come yeah. over here with your competency. With your inferiority. You have not been working here long enough. is a
1: queue. Full of incompetent, uh, inefficient
0: uh, people ahead of you. You need to wait your turn. <laughs> yes. Uh, but come back tomorrow, now we are closed. It is 2.30 in the afternoon, we are fucking off. The Tour de France is coming past. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the office is closed for six weeks. <laughs> so, uh, yes, he, by being very good at what he did, he made himself incredibly unpopular. And so he come to the second phase of Adolf Sachs's Slippery Lifetime, the bit where the flute makers of Paris ganged up to have him killed, bankrupted and declared insane. Wow. Because Tom, there's no street gang as well, you know, more feared than a load of Frenchmen with flutes. I'm well, now imagining them
1: walking to the camera, clicking their fingers, West Side Story-esque. <laughs> yeah. I want to live in a Paris. I want to live in a Paris. The flutes are so <laughs> lovely in Paris. People like flutes in Paris. The streets are all pooey in Paris. <laughs> Covered in dog poo in Paris. Cigarette butts in Paris. Nobody cleans up in Paris.
0: Yeah, the flutes and the strikes Two gangs, (laughs) (laughs) two classic (laughs) French gangs Up against it So essentially, the problem that they had, Tom, was that saxes' instruments were immediately notably better than anyone else in France's. This got him picked up very quickly, not only by the opera houses and the music halls of the city, but also by the French army, who had decided in possibly the least dramatic arms race in history, that the quality of their military bands was subpar and they needed to keep up with the rest of Europe by investing in some new banging tunes. (laughs) Genuinely, a concern of the French army at the time was that they just weren't keeping up in the cool factor with the other armies of Europe, <laughs> falling behind musically. So not only was Saxe's existing line of flutes, clarinets and oboes head and shoulders above the rest, his newfangled and patented invention, the saxophone, debuted in around 1842. Can
1: imagine people playing saxophones as they march
0: into battle? Okay, well, well, Tom, it promised to revolutionise military marching by allowing the French army to glide into battle smoothly and calmly to careless whisper, <laughs> and to gallop back out of battle at great speed shortly afterwards to the sax solo from Born to Run. <laughs> French retreat sax solo joke. Boom. Nice. <laughs> Layered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, sorry, I've literally thought of every pun going through this. There's very little left for you, I'm That's sorry. That's quite alright, <laughs> I'm enjoying slim it. Slim Pickens and the remaining saxophone jokes. <laughs> so the French absolutely loved it, and sax, already driving the existing Parisian music makers out of business, put the nail in the coffin by getting an exclusive contract to supply the French military with instruments. The way they awarded the contract was was actually quite interesting, as the French army were pretty reluctant, understandably, to sign over their precious instruments to a Belgian who could quite easily, Tom, have made them sound really tinny and out of tune, uh, throwing the entire army and warfare in general into chaos. <laughs>
1: what are we gonna do
0: i don't know how to march to these (laughs) i cannot imagine this out of tune i'm doing little strange little steps the notes have no emotional power
1: (laughs) i feel a sudden urge to walk backwards what is wrong with this music
0: before i was charging heroically and headlong Into a thunder of a Prussian fire. And just a control of a meritorious <laughs> sergeant. A man who knew no fear and only competence. His recent promotions, it was uh, perfectly valid. Yes. But now what has happened? These instruments, these pathetic little instruments, have just given me an irresistible urge to smoke and fuck. <laughs> and own oh, strange little and dogs. S- <laughs> yes, and strike. They <laughs> are well, seemingly nowhere. Tack main roads in my tractor. What is this I yes. hear? <laughs>
1: the Germans are attacking. <laughs> Thigh slapping noises. <laughs> <laughs> the German army.
0: <laughs> oh God! Can you imagine the German army marching in summer and just the sound coming over the hills of? <laughs> of lederhosen of thigh on leather (laughs) sweaty thigh on leather as the Prussians approach (laughs) oh no they are beginning to charge
1: (laughs) 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 sounds a little bit like sounds a little bit like a gay bar in 1980s Munich doesn't it (laughs) Uh,
0: it certainly does So uh yes yeah, so they were obviously very reluctant to give the uh, this important military contract to Belgium. So to prove that he was worth a punt, Sax organized a showdown between two bands playing exactly <laughs> the same things at exactly the same time, one playing his instruments, one playing the best the French had to offer, and he won hands down. In fact, this was a common stunt that Sax used to uh basically when when critics were openly disparaging him, he would throw down the gauntlets and challenge them to a musical duel, a just like it literally as Sax off. <laughs> get your sacks off get your sacks off honey (laughs) but you can leave your sacks on (laughs) Um, it was just like dueling banjos he would challenge someone to play increasingly complicated pieces in public uh, and the first to fuck it up loses he won every single time, having both better instruments and an amazing talent for playing what he built as well as making it. Which isn't the most gangster smackdown in history, but it did prove a point. And speaking of gangsters livid and bordering on bankruptcy, the music makers of Paris banded together to form L'Association Générale des Ouvrières en Instruments de Musique, the United Association of Instrument Makers, which was basically the No Sax Club. Although as anyone, Tom, who's played in a brass marching band will know, they are all basically clubs for people who have very little sax. <laughs> the the United Association were vicious, Tom. They started off by trying to sue Sax. <laughs> Claiming Sue right Sax, which that? was his
1: auntie, incidentally.
0: Yeah, indeed, yes. <laughs> they started off trying to trying to sue Sax. <laughs> claiming that he hadn't invented the saxophone at all and had in fact stolen the design. Although the judge pretty quickly noticed that the instruments they showed off to try and prove their point were just sax- saxophones with the manufacturer's name scr- ground out and replaced with the fraudulent manufacturers and dates of manufacture. They then tried to claim that the saxophone wasn't a proper musical instrument because it wasn't very musical, which is which is pretty spurious. Depends on your opinion of jazz, really.
1: Oh, I've never heard a child playing a recorder.
0: No. (laughs) Finally, they claimed that Sax had uh, played the instrument in public so many times that it was now public property, so anyone could legally make one. (laughs) Legally sound. Eventually, sick of all the lawsuits, Sax dropped his patent application, saying basically anyone who could build a working saxophone and market it within a year was welcome to claim the patent all of the other musical instrument makers tried, no one could make a working saxophone within the space of a year and so he was awarded the patent without any further questions. So, since suing him had failed, the association tried shooting him, (laughs) attempting to to assassinate Sax but getting one of his assistants instead. That's a lot of S's in one sentence. That is, a lot of S's in one sentence. Assassinate Sax without
1: getting his assistant instead.
0: (laughs) Sexily, whilst (laughs) standing sultry On the step. (laughs) Sausages.
1: Sausages. That's a very sibilant word, isn't it? Uh,
0: Sausages. So, whilst all this was going on, uh, rather rather tragically, but quite amazingly, Sack survived, like I said, serious bout of, Sack survived skin (laughs) cancer. Sack survived, it's a serious, (laughs) serious skin (laughs) cancer. He had a tumour on his face which began to grow aggressively uh, over the course of about six years. So much so that he had to be fed by nasal tube for about two years. Eventually, or possibly despite, because of or possibly despite treatment with herbs by a doctor who travelled from India to treat him, the tumour actually eventually disappeared all on its own and never gave Sachs any more trouble. So he was still cheating death even into his 30s and 40s. Eventually, exhausted and nearly bankrupt from the constant lawsuits and hounding of his supporters, and from you know a six-year cancer ordeal, he gave up, appealing to the musical fraternity of Paris to band together and award him a pension so he could retire. Amazingly, the appeal not only got him financial support from Parisian high society, but reminded people of just how good his instruments were, leading to even more orders. So he tried to retire, and the French wouldn't let him. He eventually died in 1894 at the age of 79, having beaten needles, repeated falls, burning, poisoning, shooting, drowning, explosions, cancer, and lawsuits. And that, Tom, is a bit of a badass. That is Adolf Sachs. Sounds
1: like Calamity James. Did you ever read the (laughs) Beano? No. Oh, there's a character in the Beano called Calamity James. He's my favourite.
0: There was, wasn't there? No, I have heard of Calamity James, actually, yes. And there
1: were lots of little strange... Pink, uh, there are lots of little things called strange little wobbly things oh, edit that out, it's not going to make any sense to anyone
0: <laughs> no but I like the idea of it I like, where, I like where you were going with it and I almost like more that it's just been left in the ether <laughs> an unlucky man with strange wobbly things <laughs> if you know, you know
1: if you don't, you don't
0: <laughs> which will be the majority of you which, including me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there we go Tom, that's my story that was a really good find
1: Thanks. That was, that was very interesting, Sam. I enjoyed that very much. Well, I went down a slightly different route eventually after my rather difficult morning trying to research an amusing um, interesting topic. There was my beer almost flying out of my hand. Um, I ended up <laughs> going for icy things because, you know, ice is slippery, isn't icy it? Icy
0: things, yes.
1: Uh, and there have been a number of...
0: Ice, ice babies. Ice, yes.
1: There have been a number of battles fought on ice. You've spoken about one before, which was the only occasion when cavalry have beaten... A
0: navy. And what was that? What was that story again? You, I, I cruelly asked. I can't remember. It was it it's somewhere it in, your in the Netherlands. Uh, um, some. It was. It was. It was some Dutch ships got beaten by I think possibly Danish cavalry, possibly the, yeah. Prussian cavalry, because, because they
1: they basically froze into the yeah, of a lake. Yeah. But so the other battles weren't particularly funny. There's been a few, and unsurprisingly, a few in Russia, um, including during the siege of Leningrad. Wasn't there? There was a. Um, a route yes. to Leningrad that the, so- the Soviets used to, to um, get supplies into the city that was over a lake. Um, but it, it, not particularly funny. So in the end, or oh, interesting, well, inter- yeah. very interesting. Very interesting, very interesting. Very interesting. But, you know, probably not quite right for the podcast. In the end, I settled on exploration of the Northwest Passage and explorers getting <laughs> stuck in ice.
0: Is exploration of the Northwest Passage sounds somewhat rude. Way, it does, doesn't it?
1: northwest Mm. but anything with passage in it um no why it's not not rude at all (laughs) it's it's merely trying to get to asia via the northwest over what is now greenland and canada Uh. and i'll come on to the northeast passage as well which people were exploring at a similar time but even then i had a lot of uh, false starts there's franklin's lost expedition of 1845 which is a cracker with lots of very recent developments, namely the discovery of one of the ships at the bottom of the sea about uh, maybe a year or two ago.
0: Spoiler alert. Yeah, but I thought that was too... (laughs) Didn't didn't end well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As the name might suggest. But I thought it was too
1: well known, an account of a very recent BBC series, um, amongst other things, called The Terror, um, which I will now be trying to watch Ah. now that I know what it's about. Then I found The Expeditions of William Edward Parry. I'll do that again so you don't have to edit it, sorry. Then I found the expeditions of Ed. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> what is wrong oh, with no, us? No. Monday is not our uh, day. Then I found the expeditions of William Edward Parry. Oh, fuck me. Three times. I'm still fucking it up. What's wrong with William Edward Parry?
0: Fuck you right in the Northwest William Passage. Tom. Edward Parry. <laughs> if you get it wrong one That's, more time. I reckon that would be a nostril. <laughs> and I <laughs> reckon the North East Passage would be the other nostril. Franklin's expedition won't be the, won't be the only thing getting lost up there. <laughs>
1: I had, I did one of those uh, COVID self tests
0: the other day. Oh, I did one yesterday for the yeah, first time. Submit, I looked, at, oh, oh, I hello. looked at the length
1: of the swab and I thought, oh, you obviously haven't encountered anyone with a nose as big as mine. I might, that might get lost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I briefly, before sticking the thing down the, down down my throat, thought, God, if I it turns out I don't have a gag reflex, I've really missed a career in <laughs> a career in <laughs> porn. Uh, turns out, no, I very much have a gag reflex. <laughs> oh,
1: that I, found, I can do the throat one okay, the tonsil tickler. It's the nose one. Oh, oh, oh. I was sneezing I say, away,
0: I like say, anyone's business. Yeah,
1: I say, oh, anyway. Yes, so then I found the expeditions of William Edward Parry. Oh, my Lord. What? Then I found the... Just say his name and I'll then let Then I let found in. the expeditions of William Edward Parry in the 1820s. Hooray!
0: Hooray! And I also
1: found some of Parry's journals online. I thought this would be great. Then I read the journals and realised how bloody boring they were, on account oh. of the fact that Parry, the, insignific- the insignificant, the inconsiderate twat, was a very <laughs> capable leader who made sensible decisions. Oh, for fuck's sake! I know. As a result, nobody died. Nobody ate anyone else. Oh, nobody have a know, word. Nobody attacked any indigenous people. Nobody got lost. All really rather Hang on, boring. Tyler.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you implying, Tom, that somehow, somehow meritocratic leadership leads to better outcomes? <laughs> I don't. The French would
1: like okay. a word. <laughs> it is quite possible. Don't worry, though. The man we're going to get onto is a nice contrast. Okay. So, these William Edward Parry, there was one, one of his expeditions to try and find the Northwest Passage. They got stuck in ice, um, had to winter over in a very cold place can't remember exactly where it was and the crew just kept themselves really busy with theatrical productions regular school classes and they set up an observatory oh, no shit very nice Harry aced it regular school classes
0: regular school classes and an observatory yes, yes.
1: <laughs> These, this is for uh, how nice. I interpreted this I didn't look into it in too much detail but how I interpreted it as is, it is they had lots of sailors probably in there. 18s, early 20s, they thought, oh, what do you want to learn about? And they just set up classes for sort of four to six months through the winter. Yeah, amazing. In the end, (laughs) um, after a full page of notes, um, I ended up settling for Sir Henry Hudson and the Mutiny of the Discovery. Oh. Now, Henry Hudson was an English explorer. In 1607, he set off to try to discover a way to Asia via the Arctic. He wasn't heading northwest, he was heading northeast, looking for the northeast passage. And unsurprisingly, he met the polar ice pack near Svalbard. Yes. And this was something that a Dutch navigator, William Behrens, had done over a decade before, hence the Behrens Sea. Behrens yep. <sighs> and, and his crew were the f- <laughs> you okay there? That was like an air raid siren going off behind you.
0: <laughs> Get to the shelters. <laughs> This bit fires <laughs> will be coming over soon. We've been, we've been struck by interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, there's a curious Jerry at nine, all by six. <laughs> He's frightfully interested, boys. Hit him with your facts. <laughs> Twat him with your fact stick.
1: Fact stick. Your fact stick. Twat him with your fact stick. And <laughs> Berence and his crew were the first Europeans to winter over in the Arctic Circle and were completely unprepared to do so. They did well to get through the winter, but in the spring they realised that their boat was completely fucked. They headed home in open boats and Barents died on the way back. Anyway, Hudson returned home from his first journey north, having achieved not very much. A year later he tried again slightly further east and also met the polar ice cap. Um, It was on one of these voyages that Hudson and his men apparently spotted a mermaid, quote... (coughs) This morning one of our company, looking overboard, saw a mermaid, and calling up some of the company to see her, one more came up, and by that time she was come close to the ship's side, looking earnestly on the men. A little after a sea came and overturned her, from the navel upwards her back and breasts were like a woman's, as they say that saw her, but her body as big as one of us, her skin very white and her long hair hanging down behind of colour black. In her going down, they saw her tail, which was a tail of a porpoise, and speckled like a mackerel. There you go. Interesting. Much quoted that, I think, as an early example of someone spotting a mermaid. Or just (laughs) a lot
0: of drunk sailors seeing a a seal. Yes, (laughs) a sexy seal. A seal that you would.
1: Not a walrus. A walrus.
0: No, (laughs) Now here's a question for you, Tom. Uh, a mermaid obviously has a human, a human top and a, and a fish bottom, so does it poo like a goldfish, <laughs> or like a human? <laughs> and where does
1: it poo from if it's a human?
0: And does it poo from a, from a cloaca, a multifunction orifice, like a fish? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I really don't know, actually, Sam. Uh, well... Nor do I know whether they would wear a belt to accessorise. No.
0: Do they feel that need? Good, Yes, good question. I mean, I think some more research needs to be done into this.
1: I mean, how do they... Because a lot of fish, during the mating process, the male just kind of spunks in the water, don't they? And then the female just goes and rolls around in it. That's how we do it. (laughs) It's worked. You've got a a daughter?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Funny. Oh, anyway. Um, (laughs) My my wife stopped listening to this podcast. That's
1: fortunate. As your mother... (laughs) uh
0: we'll find a year out <laughs> later
1: the dutch east india company employed Hudson's services to try once again and around this time he became aware of rumors of a northwest parrot parridge? a northwest partridge <laughs> north a uh, uh, northwest <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> what do you, <laughs> what do you think the name of our local vicar is sam
0: is it Alan Partridge? It is Alan
1: Partridge. Uh-huh.
0: Aha! <laughs> um, oh. He became aware of. Damn! Damn! <laughs> Damn! You all to hell!
1: <laughs> so Hudson um, at this time became aware of rumours of the Northwest passage through the Americas. In 1609, he headed northeast. This is very early um, exploration, by the way, of the Americas. Yeah, yeah. In 1609, he headed northeast, as was his agreement with the Dutch East India Company. He immediately hit stormy seas and headwinds. Rather than return to Amsterdam, as he, as he had been instructed, he decided to take a sneaky peek at the Americas. Not much of a detour. <laughs> the crew seemed happy with this, as they had heard what had happened to Behrens over a decade before, so they didn't really fancy going through the bad weather. They discovered Hudson River, which had been reported by a Florentine mariner almost a hundred years before. Sailed as far as Albany, which is quite a way. I looked at it on a map, and yeah. it's almost it's it's almost halfway between New York and Montreal. Um, I think wow. that's right. In, that's, that's, that's a long way inland. Yeah, it is. Um, he concluded that it didn't head to Asia and returned home, not before leaving an enormous post-it note saying Hudson River. <laughs> yes, this. ...in itself is a fascinating voyage because of all the interactions with Native Americans. Lots of really, really well-documented interactions. It has to be said that Hudson didn't seem to show particularly good judgment and leadership with these encounters. These interactions with the Native Americans were frequent and very varied. Some natives came to trade, some came with friendly intentions and invited the crew to stay with them on land. Some were just curious, some were undoubtedly more hostile. But these were situations that required good diplomacy skills... Not pleasantly trading one moment, and then kidnapping warriors to hold us hostages the next moment.
0: Uh oh, that doesn't sound like the way the Europeans do business. I know.
1: Or inviting Native Americans on board to exchange gifts one moment and then getting them blind drunk for shits and giggles the next moment. And yes, they did this. To
0: be fair, that does, that does sound like quite good fun.
1: It's very, <laughs> incidentally, it's so, so, so similar to um, some of the documents I've read for this podcast regarding early explorers of Australia and their encounters with Australian Aboriginals. Very, very, very similar. Just um, encountering small numbers of the native population and having very, very different interactions with them and just really fucking it up. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing knowing when to be friendly, not knowing when to back off. (laughs) Anyway, when he returned home, King James I of England was very unhappy that he had discovered the land around the Hudson River for the Dutch, so he forbade Hudson from navigating again under a foreign flag. In 1602, another British navigator spotted the opening to Hudson Strait, which leads to Hudson Bay. Yeah, Henry Hudson had lots of big post-it notes. <laughs> This navigator believed that it would have been um, a route to Asia. So in 1610, back working with British backers, namely the British East India Company and the Muscovy Company, Hudson set off to discover it. Of note here, the Muscovy Company was called such because the British, and the Dutch as mentioned, had originally tried to get to Asia via the North East Passage. The British had been moderately successful sailing north of Norway into the White Sea and then across land down to Moscow, then to the Caspian Sea. Um, this route was promising because it could connect up with the silk route slash silk road Uh, back to basics, the reason for all this exploration was to get better access to the spices that traditionally um, had come to Europe along the Silk Road but that had been disrupted by warfare in the Middle East hadn't it, Um, in the Near East anyway, on this second voyage west Hudson headed up Hudson Strait into Hudson Bay where they skirted along the Quebec coastline until they reached James Bay
0: oh, a different colour post it knows I
1: know if Hudson Bay James were, was here. Yeah, if Hudson Bay were a boob, James Bay would be the nipple. I think that's the best way to describe it geographically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that will help. Understood. Yep, yeah, I have that visualized. It was at the nipply James Bay that things started to go wrong. Unlike William Edward Parry, Henry, oh, I did it first time that time. Hey! He, Henry Hudson, as I've alluded to, seemed like your run-of-the-mill semi-incompetent English prat.
0: As we've Covered so many of them, so many of them in this podcast. I know, I know. There, there were plenty of them
1: around. It's not really a surprise. (laughs) Rather than say winter is coming, let's turn back and come again another time. Hudson wandered around aimlessly, got stuck in ice, and had to overland for the winter. Now, let's fast forward a little bit to Colonel brainard an Arctic explorer of the late 19th century, who had (laughs) another disastrous expedition.
0: He sounds like a proper old fusty colonel fusty old major, doesn't I he? I actually think fusty he does soldier. have
1: a really big mustache.
0: Wait Does well, he? I bet he does. I, I hope think he, he does. He did.
1: He I was I think he was an American. God bless. Actually. Colonel Brainard. But he did have a really big mustache. He looked a bit like a walrus. He was probably the sort of man that would have looked at a walrus <laughs> and thought, Yeah,
0: that's that's oh, a lovely mermaid. F- oh fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that a pig? Oh, fuck it. (laughs)
1: Yes, so his disastrous expedition, 25 crewmen left port and eight returned. He wrote, take any set of men, however carefully selected, and let them be thrown as intimately together as are the members of an exploring expedition, hearing the same voices, seeing the same faces day after day, and they will soon become wary of one another's society and impatient of one another's faults.
0: If they're badly badly managed. (laughs) You didn't turn the light off. The oven's still on! (laughs) Why the fuck is the tap running? We're on a boat. (laughs) Who's eaten my fucking (laughs) cornflakes? I deliberately drew a line on my milk so that I would know if someone had stolen it. I have... That is my special milk. (laughs) I have to have the soy. (laughs) Lactose intolerant, you bastards. It makes me fart horribly. (laughs)
1: And you know what? I'm now going to do it all over your pillow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it seems like when an expedition goes well it's all fine and good when an expedition goes bad clearly human nature it's just human nature tom it's not mismanagement we
1: didn't we say this a few weeks ago about um going and staying on the international space station
0: yes you'd have to be just the right kind of person wouldn't yeah you? <laughs> they
1: really do have to wean out the patience
0: of a saint <laughs> yeah. well apart from the patron saint of impatience Okay, of course. Now, who is the patron saint of impatience? Do you think? <laughs> saint for fuck's sake! <laughs> for fuck's sake! <laughs> patron saint of impatience. <laughs> oh, it came it up is... as a suggestion. Yeah. Saint Francis. Oh, so there's a there's a couple actually. There's Saint Cyprian, there's Saint Francis, and uh, Saint Expedite. There you go. Saint Expedite. I guess they're for different kind of... Uh, different levels of impatience. Different kind of, different, well, different kinds of impatience. So, patron saint of dealing with morons. <laughs> You've got Saint Albertus Magnus. He's the patron saint of stupidity. So <laughs> you can ask him for help with dealing with morons. Big, Big Albert. Big Albert. He's the patron saint of who, sorry? He's the patron saint of stupidity. So <laughs> So you can invoke wah, wah, him wah. when dealing with idiots. <laughs>
1: Boing.
0: <laughs> he's oh, patron- my toe again. He's the patron saint of small cars with wobbly wheels. <laughs> yeah, he's always carrying a ladder over his shoulder and turning too quickly. Yeah. Boing. <laughs> <laughs> Putting flowers in your pocket, which is connected to the mains water supply. <laughs> yeah,
1: mains water supply, crikey. <laughs> Sniff that. Fuck! <laughs> You're blinded! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like, do Nothing funnier than blinding someone, is it? i uh, oh, the about to say the stand ups! <laughs> anyway, here's another quote from the same expedition. I don't know who wrote it. I can't remember where I got it. Anyway, I could have just made it up. <laughs> it's- just
0: found it around the back of the bins.
1: It was now October, and the situation of the explorers was becoming desperate. But the bickering seemed to have increased with their peril. As the weary days of starvation and death wore on, nearly every member of the party developed a grievance. Israel was reprimanded by Greeley for falsely accusing Brainard of unfairness in the distribution of articles. Bender annoyed the whole camp by his complaints regarding his bedclothes. Pavey and Henry accused Fredericks, <laughs> the cook, of not giving them their fair share of food and Pavy and Kislingbury had a quarrel that barely stopped short of blows then Jewel was accused of selecting the heaviest dishes of those involved Bender and Schneider had a fist fight in their sleeping bag and on one occasion Bender <laughs> was they? so violent that a general mutiny was imminent <laughs> Bender and Schneider
0: a fist fight in a sleeping bag well 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 <laughs> I say they did well, so who's <laughs> moaning the <one> who's- <laughs> a lot Schneider is everything okay <laughs> <laughs> who so was the one who was complaining about his bed sheets. Uh that was the quality of the bedsheets that sheets. was Bender again <laughs> gave this ship a one star review on Yelp <laughs> <laughs> Bed sheets were a subpar my
1: my my, my bedsheets oh, I was
0: fisted by my roommate <laughs> my
1: bedsheets
0: she- bed were covered in semen and poo <laughs> okay. I don't know how <laughs> <that> it happened <laughs> management were most unhelpful
1: Dude, <laughs> <laughs> be uh, yes, that was. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I quite liked that quote. Um, <laughs> I have ever just all the pe- the petty arguing sounded funny. I read these <laughs> quotes to summarise what happened to the Hudson expedition. They all went stir crazy, possibly on account of having no real direction and being low on supplies in a very cold and hostile place where there were a few birds to eat and it was difficult to fish on account of all the ice. So, what they really needed was some theatre, possibly a
0: nativity play, or maybe some biology yes. classes.
1: <laughs> Maybe an observatory.
0: An open mic, mic night. Nice. <laughs> a talent show. Some slam poetry.
1: <laughs> Watch as Bender shoves his arm right up to the elbow up Schneider's bum. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's found his Northwest Passage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, look, it's, turn- <laughs> it's turned
1: into a ventriloquist act.
0: <laughs> now he's giving him the reach around. That's the Horn of Africa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's cover that up with a bedsheet. That's a cape of good horn.
0: <laughs> yes, uh.
1: that's quite a good joke. That wasn't. It?
0: it was. It's a cape of good hope, though, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? Ruined. Yes. Cape of good hope. Well, that would have. Worked. Can
1: I do that again? Because that would have been. That was so Go close to a very good joke.
0: Go on, do it again. Some, no,
1: fuck it. <laughs> I like the authenticity. Apparently, things all started when Hudson gave another crewmate a grey gown as a gift, and then took it back again oh. when he decided they weren't best friends anymore because Hudson had a new bestie. Oh, was it Bender? And this, be- yeah, and this bestie was given the role of Angel Gabriel, much to the annoyance of the other crewmen, one of whom had a drama degree. but, yes, was, just-
0: but was cast as th- third sheep, <laughs> third sheep to the left, second half of the donkey. <laughs>
1: Uh, there were accusations of food hoarding too. Once again, Hudson was apparently playing favourites and giving certain people more food than others, presumably for quick wank-off. will <laughs> be lonely this Christmas
0: without <laughs> a
1: girl to hoard. But there'll be men, who oh, men.
0: And occasional mermaids <laughs> or seals. <laughs> The seals seals <laughs> And dolphins With <would> blowholes <laughs> <laughs> And bottle bottlenose blowjobs <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, uh, With this uh, simmering resentment The Discovery eventually turned to return home The following spring when the ice had melted When this happened a mutiny took place Hudson and his
0: teenage son were put in an open Why would they mutiny once they were freed? Now we want to stay <laughs> Well
1: I think there is a logic to it, because you're about to go now. Right, let's strike. But at the same time, part of the reason I think they uh, started this mutiny was because they were low on supplies. So you're right, they should have just done that at the start of the winter and they could have had a much more merry few months in the snow. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so a mutiny took place. Hudson and his teenage son were put in an open boat with seven others and pushed off into Hudson Bay. Um, the others were either very sick or infirm. I think most of them were filled with
0: scurvy.
1: Incidentally, I seem to remember that old, um, what's his name? William Edward Parry. I think he, he had the scurvy nailed. I seem to remember he actually took seeds with him and uh, they grew them in the hull of the boat um, because some I think it was maybe spinach seeds or something or rocket seeds or something like that that's clever Yeah, he was was a genius wasn't he he was nailing it he was far too talented to be in the (laughs) to be a famous British figure from the 19th century yeah Uh, they weren't totally dreadful they were given some basic provisions and the rest headed home but um, the main mutineers didn't make it after being killed in a fight with some Inuits in Hudson Bay the ship eventually Ow. reached waters near Ireland. All that. All that for nothing, exactly, just to wind up some Eskimos. <laughs> the ship eventually reached waters near Ireland and was picked up by a fishing boat, with the remaining crew starving and barely able to crew the ship. One of the men, one of those men had actually died of starvation between the Inuits beating them up and the uh, being found near Ireland stages of the adventure. Oh. As is usually the case with these horrible voyages, not many people survived, only eight of the 13 men who mutinied, and nobody had any idea what happened to Hudson, his son, and the others who were left behind. Or, even if they were left behind, or just murdered, or just eaten. Despite this...
0: (laughs) A happy selection of
1: options. (laughs) Which will you choose? Spin the Wheel of (laughs) Fortune! (laughs) Despite this, Hudson's name appears everywhere As mentioned, there is Hudson Strait, Hudson River, Hudson Bay But there's also Hudson County, Hudson Town, Henry Hudson Bridge And Henry Hudson Parkway Many Hudson, lots of places named after Henry Hudson in uh, the US And Canada accounts of the mutiny are affected by the classic survivors bias those who lived to tell the tale were obviously interested in telling a tale that blamed dead people for the mutiny and these accounts are very questionable because those blamed had been loyal crewmen for Hudson on previous voyages a chap called Prickett wrote an account of the voyage this is the most complete surviving document but also the most
0: questionable (laughs) not to be confused with his uh, sidekicks and best friends bop it twist it (laughs) 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 and fuck it
1: (laughs) which actually kept them going for a good few months
0: indeed as they wintered over
1: <laughs> playing the game of fuck off it with...
0: <laughs> well it started off with just it and twisting it solo. <laughs> then they got, solo then as they got more desperate it started becoming twist <laughs> brick it and fuck it
1: eat it eat it <laughs> <laughs> toss it toss it toss it <laughs> oppress it oppress it that was a little bit later uh, <laughs> pricket's account is very questionable there there was also a journal of hudson which had been tampered with by the mutineers so that um all of the <laughs> any entry that was related to mutiny had been ripped down okay. very subtle no one will suspect the thing <laughs> there was also a note found written by another of the men sent adrift a chap called thomas woodhouse this is the only document that gives the Hudson perspective on the mutiny, and although I struggled to comprehend the early 17th century English, it seemed to indicate that there had been mutinous murmurings early on, and Hudson may have been a clumsy diplomat, um, but at the same time he seems to have had um, quite a few bad eggs. Mm-hmm. All eight who returned home were arrested and put on trial, and their documents from this trial shared a little bit more light on what happened, but the five is all stuck to the same story. They were actually on trial for murder, not mutiny, bizarrely, And they were found not guilty because it was argued that the land around Hudson Bay was habitable. It is possible that the trial was a bit of a sham because authorities saw the survivors as a valuable asset because of their experience of these unknown lands
0: and waters. Interesting. And the North Pass Northwest (laughs) You're not guilty of murder because someone could survive there. Oh, most definitely. (laughs) The floor isn't lava, so you're not a murderer.
1: Well, it's another one of these occasions, we like to make light of it, where there were probably Eskimos wandering around perfectly happy. I should say Inuits, sorry. Inuits walking around perfectly happy whilst, whilst, the, whilst the useless English people and Dutch were like, thought I can't survive. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> How could anyone live in this hellhole? <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> I've only been here for several generations. It's really quite no, nice. It's awfully lovely.
1: Uh, plant your life. If you don't mind. Very edible. Yes. Seals. There's a few of those around the corner. If you get there before the polar bears do.
0: (laughs) That'd be rather lovely. It's a 7-Eleven just here. I think the Northern Lights (laughs) are due. Just just over that ridge,
1: (laughs) yes. Northern Lights are due tonight as well, if you fancy staying up. I've got a few beers. You know, there's a wonderful (sighs) delicacy up here. It's it's a dead bird that's been stuck under a few rocks for six months. Delicious. Absolutely (laughs) delicious. Lots of them around, if you look. You're actually actually (laughs) in a farm for them. Um,
0: yes, every rock, any rock you pick up under here It's got
1: a dead bird rotting And it's delicious
0: <laughs> Don't ask how we found out about it Bit drunk one night yeah. <laughs> Forgot Back of the sofa bird we call this it, it. Really, it
1: was actually, we played a game of Eat It And, um <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> Unfortunately, we were playing a game of Fuck It the night before But it did have a, sol- <laughs> a certain Sons <laughs> const. <piquant. laughs> really does make it significantly more palatable Anyway <laughs> Must be off spot of ice fishing for a round of golf. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, so the
0: Northwest Passage was only
1: finally discovered by Roald Amaldson, the big smarty pants. Oh, oh Roald Amaldson, I found the Northwest oh, Passage. Oh,
0: Roaldy-Poldy I reached
1: the South Pole. <laughs> what a twat. Frankly...
0: Frankly, he should just leave some for someone I know, else.
1: No, just a big smarmy Leave some exploration wanker.
0: of cold places for someone yeah. else. Prat.
1: donkeys won't work. Oh yeah, all right, smarty pants. It's all very well in hindsight, Fine. isn't it? You and your huskies, <laughs> you big smug twat. Um, so yeah, he did that in 1903 to five. Um, although a chap called Robert McClure, which sounds like a great 1980s cowboy actor. I
0: swear you were going to say Robert Mugabe Robert then. But Robert Mugabe is kind of- <laughs>
1: a note Robert McClure managed it by boat and sled half a century earlier another very interesting story That story another very interesting story deserving of its own episode so I'm going to put that in my back pocket mm. as for the northeast passage even the Soviets were struggling with this in the second half of the 20th century I think they were getting through there but it wasn't easy anyway fingers crossed with yes. a bit more global warming we'll all be able to go that way
0: Ah, oh, that'd be nice that'd wouldn't be it be lovely <laughs> There are special vehicles that can that can do it, and they're basically a car, but instead of wheels, it has corkscrews, and it kind of cuts its way through the ice and snow and well, water. Oh, that's
1: interesting, isn't
0: it? Yeah, they've got corkscrews cork instead of wheels. They're kind of like big floaty barrels with blades on them, They kind of curl their way through the through the ice and water. Now,
1: that does sound very interesting.
0: Yeah, very very interesting. It's worth it's worth a Google. The influence of that. Archimedes. Indeed, yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. They've got an Archimedes screw yeah. type device. It's solo <laughs> up it fuck it Break it Break it solo <laughs> so marvellous
1: uh, yeah so uh, there, there it is there's, there's my piece
0: very interesting well, see, indeed not silly as yours that's but fine it did involve people suffering it did and you know that's enough for me <laughs> <laughs> well I tell you what we've got to think of a, of a topic for next week haven't we which is a patrons episode yes we do I think because we're recording this on Monday and we're due to do our next recording on Wednesday which leaves leaves us just two days two days, home days. Two whole days. Why don't we just say that the next Patreon exclusive episode, which you can uh, get by signing up at Patreon.com/slash That Was Genius for exclusive episodes, songs, medals, doodles, and more. Let's just do. Let's let's make it back pocket week. It nice. can be the episode, but we can be the story that we've been wanting to talk about for ages and haven't had an opportunity yet.
1: I've got the same feeling in my bones as when your partner says, "Let's get a takeaway."
0: Uh, yeah, let's do back pocket week. Let's just do the story that we've wanted to get in for ages, but haven't managed to shoehorn in. How does that sound?
1: That's a cracker because I've got a really good one for you.
0: Excellent. I researched today, and we can make them suitably silly. Yeah, a little special one there for the patrons. Nice. Uh, well, yes. Again, if you do want to sign up for the patron exclusive episodes, of which there are about twenty now, then uh, then you can for just three, four, or five English pounds a month, or equivalent in your currency and you can go to patreon.com slash that was genius to sign up and find out more in the meantime oh sorry after that we need to think of the next public episode don't we for two weeks time shall I give you the list go on then oh god it's still very long (laughs) pop it fuck it prick it prick it solo (laughs) solo solo Uh,
1: let's have a look at something that's a little bit let's pick a few out Canada week glass
0: glass interesting glass glass Um, unexpected journeys medical procedures Uh, my votes at the moment would be for glass or medical procedures or what was the one that was suggested by an audience member this week
1: we got ancient gods was
0: one that I mentioned gods glass or should we do medicine for the next public one Medican. just medicine medican. we do medicine yeah medicine it is Cool. Okay. So, back pocket week for the patrons, medicine for the public. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, Don't forget to join our Facebook group. That was Genius Funny History Podcast group. Post memes, say hi. Or email us, that was geniuscast at gmail.com. Right, Tom, say toodle pip. Toodle pip. Toodle pip.